0: Now TV gives you the best seat in the house for the start of the new football season as you can stream Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract.
2: Now that's more
0: like it! So, whether you're lining up for the Premier League and the EFL Championship Oh, it's a stunner! or the Scottish Premiership and Serie A The title race is blown open! You can now tackle the lot. Your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply.
2: Yes, what a player we've got today. By the way, my type of player. Unbelievable talent and an unbelievable ass. Andy Reid, how are you doing, mate? All right.
1: Yeah, I'm very well, thanks, mate. Not a bother at all. Glad to see you like them talented players with big bombs.
2: <laughs> mate, I'm one of them. Look, somebody sent me a t shirt. Do you know what this stands for? Fat Dick.
1: <laughs> 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 okay fair enough fair enough right mate we'll get on to your career uh,
2: upbringing in Ireland how was that was it just boys club football and then scouting from an
1: English team a schoolboy team well played with two over there played for Leward Celtic over there which is a big enough club and then sorry for Club Cherry Orchard uh, which is a massive schoolboy club over there quite a few players come through there uh, so uh, I was very fortunate to play with them and and then from a for, from a young age, then was kind of scouted and sent over to on um, as loads of the Irish boys are, and it's kind of still happening now. The boys go over on trial, and um, then the clubs over in uh, over the other side of the over the other side of the water, decide whether they want you or not. Mate, is it true that you're not
2: back Arsenal and Man United? And if you did, is that when you first started drinking Guinness? You must have been steaming, mate. Why did you not get him back? What happened?
1: Well, well uh, what happened was I went on trial to Man United, went on trial to Arsenal, um, went on trial to Forest, uh, and, and all three of them uh, wanted to take me. And um, I, I, I just felt so much more comfortable at Forest than I did at any other club that I'd gone to. Uh, my parents come over, we got really, really looked after when we came over um when I went to man, you know and listen, with the greatest respect. I went on like an Easter break, like uh, the trials that you used to go over for It was like two hundred kids there or something like that you know over over a five day period, and I was thinking to myself i didn 't really feel kind of that comfortable there um i didn 't really feel like I just wanted to be another number, whereas on the other side of it, I went to forest um Felt really, really comfortable. They really looked after me. And, and I was kind of over on trial as a 14 year old. I went and trained with the youth team a couple of days. You know, for me, that was a massive thing. And, and when, I, when I tried to look at the bigger picture, which I know it's very, very difficult at that age, but I tried to look at the bigger picture um, and, and talk to my parents about it, I could see a pathway to the force team. I could see, you know, I could see where the progression would be. I can see, you know, playing in the youth team every week. Where's the pathway to the reserves? And, and how can I get into the force team? Whereas I thought, you know, Man United, you've got 200 kids there and you're thinking to yourself, uh, you know, where's the pathway? And, and I didn't really see it there. Um, so um, for me, um, Forest was, was the only option. And when my parents come over and, and seeing everywhere and seeing where we'd be staying in the digs and how we were going to be looked after, there was only one option for me and, and it was Forrest. So when you first went over, Andy, was Brian
2: Clough anything to do with the club or was he gone completely?
1: Um, he was gone. I had I had one interaction uh, with him and, and, and listen, Brian Clough, uh, absolute legend and anybody that you speak to, the stories about him are, are unbelievable and and I, I, I only met him the once. Uh, he came, he, what he used to do, he'd turn up at Forest um, and basically sit wherever he wanted, do whatever he wanted and uh, and people would just kind of shuffle out of his way and he would kind of just take over the whole club whenever he was there uh, but he came one day we played against Coventry at home and uh, we beat them 1-0 and I played quite well but I'd missed a couple of chances but uh, he decided that he wanted to present the Man of the Match award um, so, and I got Man of the Match. So you go into this room and there's about kind of three or four hundred people there up on the stage. Brian Clough's there with the with the microphone and oh, Now like, I, I was I was in awe of the man. Like, you know what I mean? Absolute hero. Proper legend. So he gets on the mic and he says, Andy, you're a really good player. He says, you remind me a little bit of John Robertson. He says, "But well, you're nowhere near as good as him. Uh, and I went, oh, okay, thanks very much, Mr. Clough. And he said, uh, he says, I'll just give you a little bit of advice. He says, Stop watching Johnny Wilkinson. He's supposed to kick it over the bar. You're supposed to kick it under the bar. So, 300 people just obviously absolutely pissed themselves laughing. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm just standing there. And the only thing that I could think to say was thanks very much, Mr. Clough. He presented me the man of the match award. I shuffled off the stage, and, and, and that's my, you know, I think anybody who's come in contact with Brian Clough has a story about him. And, and that's my story that I've got uh, about Brian Clough and me.
2: Oh, amazing, what a hero, man. Uh, how was it coming through for us, Andy? Were you still doing jobs, cleaning boots, picking up the, the shitty underwear?
1: Uh, yeah, and, and listen, I, I, I am not against that at all. Um, I, I, you know, I, I listen, I know times have changed and things are a little bit different now, but I don't think it's done me any harm. Um, we had um, an academy manager, Paul Hart, um, and Steve. Wait,
2: Good- he was my manager at Swindon, Paul Hart.
1: Like yeah, listen. I, I I was I was so lucky, and, and loads of the players, as Michael Dawson, Jermaine Jean, David Prutton, um, all these players that, that came through a Forest, and we all talk about, you know, when we, when we sit down and have conversations, how lucky we were. How Paul Paul was a phenomenal coach of young players. He had a, such a way of getting things across to you in such a simple way, and um, so so we were very very lucky, and he was also a hard man as well. So he put a lot of discipline in you as well. Um, he instilled the right things in us. In my opinion, you know, um, not just to become good players, but to become good people. Uh, we we have to know everybody's name that walked at the club. We have to show everybody that respect, um, saying please and thank you for things when we go away, uh, and making sure that everywhere we go, that people um, people knew that was really, really resonated with me throughout my whole career. And it's something that I try and instil in young players that I work with today. So I feel very, very fortunate that I was able to work with Paul um, at that stage. It, you know, he was a massive influence on my early part of my career.
2: Andy, what sort of stuff happened to you back then that would not be allowed to happen now?
1: Look, listen, I remember, uh, I remember on your birthday, you used to try and keep your birthday quiet at all costs um but somebody always had a little book you know, your birthday was in the book and that, and you'd be kind of trying to hide and trying to stay out of the way in the day of breath birthday. But somebody would get you and they'd bring you down to and we used to at the forest we got changed in the in the uh, the actual stadium and walked down to the training ground and we used to get changed in the away team dressing room and um somebody would they'd fill up a bath and they would put shoe polish in it the boys would pissing it and shitting it and do all sorts and and they you know you'd see you, you know you'd think all of a sudden you think oh I'm all right and then everything would go quiet. Lads the burst out of corridors pick you up uh take you down and dump you in this bath full of you know what I mean there could be bleach there could be all sorts in it like you know and and listen it's not something that's probably a, well it's definitely not something that's appropriate now and, uh, but, but it was something that happened back then and. And uh, and you know and and we had we had a little bit of a laugh about it. You, you know, as I said, it's not it's not appropriate now. And 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 you know and, and and kind of times have have really really changed. But they were things that actually happened. Yeah. Uh, you were well known for your. I'm sure you've got a. Few, I'm sure you've got a couple of things that happened to yourself as well. Yeah.
2: Oh, I we used to get abused, man. But we loved it. Eh? I loved getting abused off the first team because it meant that I liked you, mate. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, you know another one that you'd say at Christmas, the force team used to kind of get you to go in and sing a song for them at Christmas, you know, so so whoever's boots you clean, I remember I cleaned Dougie Friedman's boots and um, and Andy Gray's boots, and you'd go in and you'd have to sing a song, and, and some of what some of the few quid that they would give you at Christmas for cleaning the boots was based on how good you were at singing. Now listen, me being Irish, I can knock out a tune at the drop of a hat, so I always done all right. Well, how much did Dougie, do you remember how much you got for cleaning his boots? Dougie wouldn't give you very much now. Dougie wouldn't have been there. <laughs> yeah, I've, heard he's him. I mean, I've heard he's kicked. Dougie, Dougie, kind of looked after me. To be fair, uh, he used to because I was, I was, I was a six and a half, and Dougie was a seven or a seven and a half. So my boot size weren't too far away, and he used to wear some Reebok boots. So he dropped me a pair of Reebok boots every now and again.
2: Amazing! Mate. What a bud you got off a first team player giving you some boots, there. Uh Mate, you're known for your natural creativity. Uh, we always like to feed up a forest or or the
1: coaches try and rain that in and get you to pass the ball a bit more. Mention, we spoke about Paul Hart earlier on. I remember, uh, I remember the, my first ever day um, at Forest um, uh, when I came in full time, and uh, we're playing against. Uh, I played left wing. I was playing against a uh, fullback Richard Cooper, who so at the time was the England under eighteen captain. He's Mansfield Academy manager now, and he's a great guy. And, We've kind of really kept in touch, but he was, he was a really tough guy and uh, he was a good player, you know, held in really good esteem. He was held in really good, in really high esteem. So I, I went up against him and was doing really, really well against him, was kind of going past him, getting a few, getting a few uh, crosses in, getting a few shots in. Thought I was doing really well. Next fall, Harkin's always like, pass the ball, pass the ball. You know, you take it too much out of the ball. I really thought to myself, I'm doing all right. And it was only kind of afterwards when I talked to, to Paul and Paul said, I knew you could dribble. I knew you could go past people. That wasn't the issue. We have to teach you other things that maybe you're not so strong at and that you have to get better at because eventually you might come up against, So you, you will come up against somebody who is uh, too quick for you, too strong for you. you, won't be able to get past them. So you have to come up with different ways to beat them. That might be your positional sense. Uh, it might be playing a 1 2, it might be passing but it can't always be the same thing. You have to have different strengths to your bow. And I was, you know. And, and, and they were things that, 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 that Paul started to get into me really as soon as I got into the club.
2: Mate, as I said, I had Paul Hart at Swindon. He hated me, man. Probably because I was absolutely hopeless, but I've seen him slaughter boys, mate. Would he, would he slaughter you even at that young age? Like, were you ever on the
1: receiving end of uh, proper fashion? Um, he 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 had a he, you know you would you would at times be kind of you know he'd be afraid of him you know what I mean which uh, he, which I didn't mind because of, you know because I, I would have been always quite mentally strong me and Paul had loads of ding dongs you know we had we had plenty of arguments and and he kind of we have a laugh about it now um, but looking back on it you know we we did have plenty of ding dongs but. I think there has to be an element of discipline to it as well, and, and, and Paul could certainly enforce the discipline. But you always believe that what he, well, I always believed that what he was coaching me was, was really good stuff and stuff that I used throughout my whole career and uh, very very knowledgeable for me. And I feel very fortunate that I was able to walk under him.
2: Right, mate. Getting into the first team. What what happened then? Are you are you flying for the youth team reserves? And is it the same in Scotland that we used to get a call? You're training with the first team today. Was it was it similar with you?
1: Um, so I, I got a call to say, so David Platt was the manager um, at the time um, at Forreston, and I got a call to say that I was training with the force team. I, I'd been doing quite well in the reserves, to be fair. I'd been doing quite well. Um, got a call to, to, to say that I was going to be training with the force team for the next couple of days. So I was training with the force team, Thursday, Friday. I was on the bench against um, Tranmere on the Saturday. We're 3-0 up against Tranmere, and I thought to myself, you know, if there's every time you're going to go throw a young lad on. You know, you're going to throw him on now. Uh, three 0 up. Um, I think Tranmere were near the bottom of the table, um, and and I didn't get on. And I, I remember I was, I was pretty gutted to be fair. And I had some of the subs who were kind of saying, "Oh, really? Can't believe he hasn't put you on with three and a up." And you know, I was pretty disappointed. So we had Sunday off. I get back in on the Monday morning. He pulls me, and we're getting ready to we're prepping to play against Sheffield United at home on the Tuesday night. Um, David Platt calls me. He says, "Rady, you're starting tomorrow night." I was like, like my my, my backside fell out. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? I was like, it's starting. Like, and he's like, he's like, yeah, you're starting. He says, "You've been you've been absolutely flying." He says, "You've been great." Um, he says, I know that you'll be able to handle it, um, you're starting up front." So, um, me and Jack Lester, who. Uh, it'd be a friend of mine now and, and we kind of uh, played up front together because, you know, at the time m- most teams played kind of two up top um, back then. So um, me and Jack played up front. Uh, went really, really well. We beat Sheffield United 2-0. I managed to get a goal. Um, my, my dad was there watching. It was, you know, kind of... It, it fairy tale. I don't really like to get too soppy about it. But yeah. You know, you've scored a, a goal. You've won 2-0. Your home debut, it's like... Amazing, like it's it it is. It's like, and I look back in it. And it's you know one of uh, you know along with me international debut as well. It's one of the one of the proudest one of the proudest moments of your life you know it really is and I remember going up to the crowd and for some reason I don't know why I kind of turned to the crowd oh, that no. and I Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I know and I remember Dave Besson uh, Dave Besson who was I mean Dave Besson was probably about 50 but he was still playing at the time somehow um, and Dave Besson hammered me the next day <laughs> he absolutely hammered me you know he, he was like really what are you doing and I was like I know Besson no, I know I know so, oh, uh, but, yeah, but a fantastic experience Period,
2: you know really was jack
1: lester played i played the SM, chesterfield it? he was a, he's a chesterfield legend he is a chesterfield legend and, 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 and listen jack was great at forest as well and then he went to sheffield united after that and done well and, and listen jack is somebody that you know I kept in touch with and my my missus and his missus would be would be kind of quite close as well and we've been on holiday quite a bit and he's academy manager at sheffield united now and you know okay. jack, jack jack jack's a really good guy yeah what? He on David Platt. Did he join in Tuning? He was good. To be fair, he, he was he, well, he was decent. I, you know what? He, he, the The people of Forest, the Forest fans, he, he had a bad reputation really with them overall. But you know, the, the guy gave me my debut, and he was always really, really good to me and treated me really well. So. I have nothing but positive things to say. You know, some of the Forest fans put me like this about David Platt, and I always stick up for him because he was great to me. So I think life works like that, and football works like that as well. Different people get on with different people. Just because I don't like somebody or you don't like somebody, that doesn't mean that you can't get on. You know, yeah. I, I don't take, I don't really take anybody's words. Uh, you know, if I get to know somebody, I, I like to ju- try and judge them on my own merits, and he was always very, very good to me.
2: Did you ever meet his wife, Gil Platt? I <laughs> <laughs> was well, disappointed with you when
1: he went. Uh, he left to go to England under twenty ones. I, I wasn't really not because I, I didn't like him, but because Paul Hart came in and took over straight away, um, and yeah. Paul was stepped up. And uh, so, so for me, it worked out. It worked out really, really well because obviously Paul knew me really well. Me and Paul got well. He rated me, and, and I felt that he could kind of make me better. And, it was the start of a really, really good period for us at Forest where we, we put together a, a, a good side. Uh, we got to the playoffs, um, Sheffield United beat us in the playoffs, um, we were 2-0 up with uh, 20 minutes to go in the playoffs and um, I, to, to get to the final and I somehow we ended up losing the game 4-3 in extra time. And, Still a bitter one to swallow, but we had a really good side. Um, so Darren Ward was in goal. It was a really good keeper. Uh, Ricky Shimmick, Michael Dawson, and uh, Jermaine Genius had not long left. David Prutton um, had left as well. We Marlon Harewood, Darren Hookerby played in that game. David Johnson was banging in goals for fun. Um, so we we, we Jim Brennan left back as well. We we had a really good uh, we had a really good side, and we just felt like something was really starting to build. But the club then. Well, we're starting to struggle a little bit financially and a couple of the lads uh, uh, contracts were up. They they went off with the money that they needed to stay. So a couple left and then we ended up having to sell a couple and all of a sudden we've gone from, or, or, in my opinion, if we had kept that team together and maybe added one or two, I think we'd have won the league the next year. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you left kind of three or four go you don't really replace them and all of a sudden then it becomes really really difficult you know you're fighting against uh, you know you're, you're kind of fighting against everything and everything feels like it's, it's it's going wrong for you so it just goes to show you how quickly football can, can, can change and kick you in the backside.
2: Yeah, I remember you played some amazing football in the diamond but it
1: was, and it, it was, and, and it, it, we had players, I mean, listen, I, I love the diamond formation, I think it's absolutely brilliant, but you have to have the right players to do it, and I, and I mentioned Jim Brennan and Matty Louis-Jean, who were two ridiculously attacking full-backs, fit as a fiddles, getting up and down, and then it, me playing on the left side of the diamond, it suited me perfect, because I could play a little bit narrower and kind of get on the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, look to make things happen, and I didn't always have to you'd have to keep that width. that I always have to play in a four four two, and um, because Jim Brennan could kind of give that width out there. And we had Ricky Schumacher sat in front of the back four. And I don't, I don't know if you ever played against Ricky or you ever came across him, but Ricky was fantastic, Larry. He was brilliant. He he he'd intercept balls and he'd break stuff up and he'd get the ball and he'd give the ball to his early and really really good areas. As an attacking player and a technical player, that's what you want. Just give me the ball early and he'd fire it into you. If you had a good touch, you'd be able to deal with it. And it was brilliant. And then we had uh, then Darren Huckabee played in the 10, and then we had Marlon Harewood and David Johnson up front. I mean, like, I, I remember that season we played against Stoke and, and we were 5 0 up at half time. I think we ended up beating them 6 0. We were 5 0 up at half time. Marlon Harewood had scored four goals, like, and and you're looking at him and I, I, honest to God if the England manager had been there watching it he'd have just picked him and, and played him you know Um, when Jamal went out the second half and he he, he probably wouldn't have got a game for a, for, for a fourth division team at the time uh, that's how bad he was in the second half but he got us four goals in the first half and, but the football that we played it was great it was pace yeah, power Great technical ability. There was everything in the team, and it was a real joy to play in. You know, and and they were great lads as well. And um, uh, the importance of of a good environment and going into a good working environment. We used to love going in there every single day. Um, it was it was absolutely fantastic. And I remember thinking, and I was still obviously very young in my career, thinking well, this is what football is like. It's going to be like this for the rest of my career. Dressing rooms are always going to be like this. I'm like, and they're not. You know, you don't always get people pulling you in know. the same direction. And and for, for that period of about 18 months, it was really special and something that, you know, that, that I look back on so fondly.
2: Right, mate, we'll go into the dressing room. Just a few of your teammates at that time. Legend, Des Walker signed. What, what was he like as a guy?
1: I mean... Des uh, took a year off after he, after he left Sheffield Wednesday, so he had a full year where he, he know he, he didn't even do a training session. And then Paul Hart, um, I, th- I think by chance bumped into him and asked him to come back in, because we had a lot of young players, and Des was a great influence, you know, and obviously very knowledgeable is uh, you know what he's been through. Des came back in. And I think he kind of thought it was only going to, you know, to train and kind of see how it gets on, and then realised that he felt really, really good after taking a year off. He came back in and he was still ripped and um, and he was still proper rapid as well when he came back in. He was he was lightning and he came back in and made a great. He had a great influence on all of us and Dez is still a great friend of mine. Now still keep in touch with him. Um, he he he's, he, he's brilliant. But he, it was it was a masterstroke by Paul because he was able to help people like John Thompson and then uh, Michael Dawson you know he was able to kind of help there but then Dez gets really competitive so Dez is thinking oh, if I'm in the team because I deserve to be in the team I'm not here just to be second fiddle to somebody which was great because it pushes the other two then if they're going to stay in that position yes. I thought with that moustache he'd been shooting porn for you <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what with what was downstairs he could have done he could have been doing it as well <laughs>
2: see, when you see when Dez Walker comes in is that when standards go up? Like, Is, there, is, there more, is training more competitive? Would Des Walker be the type that would pull up young boys if they want
1: to do that? Absolutely. Push you every day. Because he knew what it took at the top level. Yeah. You know, we knew. What, but we, we, we did have a, have a really, we had really high standards. Paul Hart set really high standards for us coming up through. Um, So so that was there. But then when you bring somebody like Des in, then, I mean, of course, few weeks when he comes in training I'm thinking so I'm training with Des Walker I want to show him how good I am that's that's what I'm thinking so if I'm going to play up front I want to have a little battle with him like you know because I want them to know who I am I want them to know and 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 the same like I told you about the centre-halves they needed to raise their game because they know that Des is coming behind them and if he's if 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 they're not performing then he's going to take the play so it it was it was a great stroke by Paul at the time it really was
2: See other you, young guys that you mentioned, mate, like Janice, Dawson, Wes Morgan, Herewood, yourself who would have been the one that you'd have thought he's going straight to the top? Would it have been Janice.
1: Yeah, probably would have been J- 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 I remember with the, the, the fourth like it's 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 mad listening to him and talking to him now and I like can see how far he's come on. But I remember the fourth year that he came in. Um he was very, very quiet and and, and well, I, I know he's, there's never been much on him, but he was, he, like, he was like that. Honest to God, he was skin and bone. But he had phenomenal ability. Could all, his timing of his runs was really, really good. He read the game really well. Uh, he could run all day long, you know, I mean, you kind of look and you're thinking, this is the way the game is going now, you know, and, 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 and he's, he's ideally equipped to, to, to kinda of get up there. So so he was and, and then like uh, you, you think about the opposite the opposite side of it. You've mentioned uh, Wes Morgan. I mean Wes Morgan came in from a local team up the roads here in Knox called Cold Dunkirk, uh when he was about fifteen probably. And mm-hmm. uh, and he he was he was massive. He was massive. He wasn't fit, but he had something and Paul Hartley been the centre half seen it in him, you know, and, and I always re- <laughs> I always remember Big Wes uh, after after summer break, he came in and he put on a he put on a bit of weight and um and we're all having like a, we're all having a conversation. Paul's kind of said uh, a couple of people put on weight. I probably would have been one of them. He says, "What have you been doing over the summer? What have you been doing?" He said, to Wes what have you been doing? Have you been drinking?" And Wes just has gone yeah yeah I've been drinking he said what have you been drinking he thought he was going to say like a beer or something like that he said yeah, double branding coke like, you know, <laughs> so I was like so I was like, did you say you're drinking a beer with you um, I, so, no, no, so so I say that and I say that and it's not to put him down right and I say yeah. that because I look at when he just came in and I didn't realise what a professional game is and I seen him lifting that Premier League trophy like, I, I, like that's that's phenomenal, honest to God, because a nicer guy in football you couldn't meet, he's an absolute hero, honestly, and I was so, so pleased with um, the, at the way he made his career and, and, and what he ended up doing.
2: We played lesser in the FA Cup, mate, he was the lesser captain at the time, and like you say, when you play against the higher guys, usually they're but Wes Morgan could not have been nicer to every single one of our players, the after the game came over, spoke to everyone brand new.
1: Um, and, and he'd do anything for you as well there wasn't one person you, you, you probably won't meet a person that says that says oh, I don't like Wes because he's not like that he's not that type of bloke he, he's he, he's a real diamond he's a real diamond Good. what about uh, what about for a laugh Andy who was the characters in
2: that dressing who were the funny ones Marlon here would seem sick
1: yeah, <laughs> Marlon's alright I tell you what I wouldn't say that to his face no I didn't that uh, up, yeah, up, but... no I didn't think you would no no alright alright I, I, I think I probably I think I probably would have would have been up there for the uh in in that kind of thing I always like having a, having a little bit of laugh and uh, and I always think that that it's very very important so I always try to but we we had a couple of characters just after we got into the into the force team um what well, they, they'd just been in the force team Alan Rogers was one I don't know if you've come across time before mm-hmm. played for Forest. he played for or left back you know proper character and, and, and I saw some of the stories about him like you know he, he, he was absolutely nuts but, but, he, but a great guy really really funny uh, really really funny fella as well and um, was a, a Scouse lad and he was always coming out with a, with, uh, with, with kind of mental teeth. He was always cutting people's clothes up and um, putting curry powder in people's cars and fish underneath people's seats and stuff like that, you know? So, uh, you, you, you come across these characters over the years. Did you ever wind
2: Paul Hattop or was that a no-go?
1: Yeah, probably. It was a bit of a no-go for us, especially for us young lads. I mean, we, I wouldn't say we were in awe, Paul, but like, I remember me, like, we forced when I came in. I looked up for him and I thought he looks like he's about seven foot, and I obviously wasn't the tallest anyway, but he looked massive. So I thought, I think I might give that a little bit of a wide breath. Probably not the best person to wind up, especially on the Monday morning if you'd lost on the Saturday. Oh,
2: he's an angry, he's an angry man to hit. Uh, Right, mate, Paul Hart goes, and then former crazy gang boss, Joe Kinnear. Have I asked David Pratt in the exact same question? Like, how old school are we talking, Joe Kinnear?
1: listen you, you can't help but you can't help but love joe like he's uh he's, he's just one of them things like you you could be so pissed off for him for one reason or another he left you out of the team or uh he he loved telling plays. so he just little little things that he'd just say something and then it wouldn't happen and you, you'd you be and then he'd just say something then in his little cheeky his cheeky voice and and you just couldn't help but laugh at him he was he was uh he was one of them he was uh a proper character, real, uh, but real old school. But what he did, uh, he brought Mick Harford in with him. Uh, wow,
2: he and, is a hard man.
1: Uh, well, he is, but Mick's, Mick's, Mick's fantastic. Uh, he's, he was a, he was a really, really good coach, but he was a really good guy and, and I always on really well with Mick because, uh, well, Joe was kind of away with the fairies and kind of being Joe. Mick was very, very kind of straight, and he'd be honest with me, you know. So, so I would kind of, you know, I, I could kind of go to Mick and, and speak to Mick honestly because at the time Tottenham were kind of in for me. Um, but but she she the thing about Joe was so Tottenham a bit what were in for me, and I wanted to sign for Tottenham. And Joe called me into his office one day, and he told me that Sevilla wanted to sign me. Like so, so I ring my agent, like, and I'm like. Joe said, Sevilla wants to sign me. So he gets in touch with somebody, he gets in touch with somebody in Sevilla, They never even heard of me. <laughs> and Joe was telling me that Sevilla wants to sign me, you know. So I go, so so instead of going to Joe, because if I went back to Joe and said to Joe, Joe, what are you on about? Sevilla don't want to sign me. Just say, no, no, no. I was talking to this fella and this fella and this fella. They definitely want to sign you because that's what he was like. But I go to Mick and I say, say, Mick, what's going on here, buddy? He's like really Sevilla so don't want to sign you. They're just trying to get more money off top. So that's what I'm <laughs> kind of telling you. But Mick but can Mick be straight, with you and kind of tell you, you know. Uh, but, uh, ah, oh, all, all fun and games, all fun and games. Did he use any of the crazy gang techniques,
2: like training and that? Was it Was it ever just that you carry on?
1: Not really. I mean, I, I, I don't think that you could... <laughs> I, I I don't think that you could really you can't really recreate that um, unless you have them characters in the you know we, we didn't have any Vinnie Jones or John Flash News or kind of anyone like that so I think it's very very difficult to kind of just kind of re, recreate that but he was very very old school um, he was he, he was very old school in the fact that he'd come down and he'd probably watch the sign up for five minutes and there'd be a little kind of 5 or side going on and then the rain would start like, so he just like Put his umbrella up and just toddle off back like, and you think, is that where's the gaffer got? You, you know, you know that kind of thing. Which, which kind of? Thing? I mean, you're talking 20, yeah. 20 years ago now. You know what I mean? It's um, it was just, it was just the way it was.
2: So why did you leave Forest, Desperate to get to the Premier League?
1: And I didn't feel that there was going to be much opportunity as far as, as I said. They were really, really cutting back, and um, some of some of the players that we let go were really, really good players, and the players that came in you know, they were still some decent enough players, but I didn't feel that players probably that was going to get to the Premier League, you know, with the greatest respect. Um, and I just felt that the club really wasn't kind of going in the right direction. And listen, as well as that, I knew that Tottenham were really interested in me. Um, Frank Arneson, who who uh, who was technical director there at the time, he'd been wanting to sign me for kind of a year, year and a half. And, and we'd nearly got deals done and, and then and then it didn't kind of it didn't get over the line for one reason or another but but they still kind of kept um, you know they still wanted to um wanted to sign me which was great and we were still really struggling to get the deal done you know right going up to deadline day uh probably probably a week before it daws the michael dawson then came into the equation and they were trying to get a double deal done um so so I said to Dawson but I said there was a there was like a meeting going on with the chief executive at the time, and we really wanted to go, and they wouldn't take our calls, and so I got Dawson. I says right, Doss, we're gonna go up to the office, right? I says, we're gonna burst in, like, and tell them, you know, we wanna leave and and whatever. And Doss was like, Yeah, 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 no problem, really. I'll back you up, like so. Grabbed them. We went upstairs into the office burst in and says, Listen, we want to leave. Tottenham want to sign us and all that, don't we, Doss? And Doss stood there like that, <laughs> he didn't open his mouth. <laughs> don't we, Doss? And he said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we turned, so that didn't work, right? So so we're back out and uh, gets to deadline day, uh, gets a phone call. Still hadn't agreed a fee, um, but the agent ring. The agent rings. He says, "Listen, we, we need to get you down there. Um, uh, we're, we're hoping to get the deal over the line, but you're going to have to miss training." And uh, uh, Daniel Levy said, "If you, if you miss training uh, and it, the deal doesn't go through, we get fined. you will pay our fine for us, you know." So, so we're off down. We're off down to down to Essex. Um, and we're we're sat in a hotel just around the corner from Tottenham's old training ground and uh, we're there for about four hours like and I said come on Doss let's go for a walk and Doss goes yeah yeah yeah, no problem so go for a walk and uh, out this back way into Essex and we round this corner and then into this field and next we're just up to our knees in mud like we were just like just completely covered in mud and we like, looked around, hadn't got a clue where we were then. the next of all, the phone rings It's my agent. He says, we're after agreeing a feed, get yourselves back here. I looked around, still so not got a clue where I am. And thus, uh, panicking then, Reedy, Reedy, if you ruin this for me. He says, if you ruin this, um, he, he says, I'll never forgive you, you know. So managed to find the street, agent come and pick us up, like got in the car, we're covered in mud, torn up the top and ground, covered <laughs> mud for medical. I was like, oh god, like, it was mate, it was a bit embarrassing, but we managed to to kind of get the deal over the line in the end. Amazing, man. That's amazing. Because uh, Martin know had only just taken over there,
2: hadn't they? So was it
1: it was Anderson that wanted you? Yeah, you see, Frank Arneson was the one who kind of really wanted me and, and Martin O'Neill uh, sorry, Martin Yall was 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 head coach um I, i'm really just focused on, on on coaching the team but frank Garnison kind of was running everything um above that along with uh, obviously daniel levy then above that um and uh, so when i got there kind of you know was playing all the time and it was really really good and kind of felt frank's influence and then frank left um in that in the summer i'd been signed probably about six six eight months or something frank left and went to Chelsea and Martin Yall then kind of assumed more power and things started to kind of change a little bit at Tottenham down. I mean, I remember like went away and had a really good off season, came back kind of flying and then come into the change room sat there and Ed Ketavid just sat next to me. Like, and obviously he's playing left side midfield as well. Like, I'm thinking to himself, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he's probably he's probably on about 80 bags a week or whatever <laughs> he's on, you know what I mean? It's just like... And and so we kind of got through that season and played a little bit, but was in and out. And and, and I just wanted to play football. And then yeah. we, and Ian Dewey rang me from Charlton, and um, he'd just taken over Charlton. He says, Reed, do you want to come?" And I just said, yeah, listen, I said, I just want to play football, you know, I just want to play week in, week out. Well, I was, what's about 23, I think, maybe at the time. I just wanted to play football week in, week out. So it was difficult leaving because Tottenham's an absolutely fantastic club, but I didn't fancy kind of sitting around for two years, you know, that wasn't what I was all about. Jake, Martin, you all, and David Platt. Looks like a before and after picture for
2: her, bro. He's done. Did you get the feeling when you signed that Martin, you all, never really knew who you were?
1: I wouldn't say that. No, no, I wouldn't say that. But what? But but he definitely didn't have the uh, the influence throughout the whole club, um, yeah. that he did when I left. That's, that's uh, shit, isn't it for a player? That's
2: crap. If the manager's not got the who's bringing. Who, if
1: he's bringing you in. Yeah, but I think when he got the role, he kind of got. He, he didn't get. It wasn't a manager's role that he got. It was a head coach's role. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It doesn't. It, it doesn't really well, well. It didn't really bode well for me because you know as soon as Frank left and Martin kind of took kind of a little bit more control, and um, you know I didn't I never really felt that that he kind of he was all that keen on me. Plus, uh, some of the signings that were made as well um, were kind of some big money signings, and just thought to myself as a you know. A, can, a, I thought to myself, no matter what I do here, that I'm probably uh, that I'm not going to play, and, and that was more or less kind of portrayed to me as well. So, um, so like, that's the way I was.
2: Is he a good coach, Martin?
1: coach. He was. He was. He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. But he had Chris Upton with him, and um, Chris Upton was was assistant, and, and and I was working with Chris um, with Ireland because Chris was Ireland assistant at the time as well, and Chris a fantastic coach. Um, very, very well organized. You know, uh, really, really good coach and a great guy as well. So, um, so, so, so the sessions and, and the, the organization and stuff like that was really, really good. And uh, listen, I had some really good times at Tottenham, and we, we had a really, really good season, and just missed out on the uh, Champions League um, on the last day of the season. And um, Arsenal pipped us on the last day of the season, which was a bit of a sicken. I don't know if you remember, but it was when. Um, we played West Ham away and we stayed in a hotel in Canary Wharf and the, uh, some of the lads came down with uh, food poisoning. No, I don't know. Oh, no, I do remember that. actually Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the lads came down with food, like four or five of the lads woke up on the day of the game. So the lads were green. Um, like, and then there was all sorts of theories coming around that the yeah. food was spoiled and, uh, uh, and all the stuff. But um, the lads were very ill, to be fair. I mean, remember Michael Carrick, Michael Dawson, and um, they they came down like ghosts. Um, you know they were obviously very very sick. Um, but they managed to play. But we missed out. If we had a if we had a beat, uh, West Ham on the last day of the season, we'd have got to the Champions League. So, uh, it would have been would have been good. But unfortunately, it, it wasn't to be that season. How's it? How does a
2: Tottenham? You said that Nottingham Forest dressing room was a great. how does a Tottenham dressing room compare to a Nottingham Forest? Is it no as lively? Characters in there
1: and there was a lot of good people in there, but I always found, and I played for uh, Tottenham and obviously I played for Charlton, I always found that the clubs in London, um, they had a very, very different feel to them as in the social side of it. And I don't just mean, I don't just mean going out and uh, getting drunk or anything like that. I just mean maybe going for a meal or the lads kind of going for a meal after training or or whatever it may be. I just feel in London because everybody seems to be really, really spread out. You know, so you might have somebody in North London, a couple down south, a couple out in Essex, And it just seems a lot more spread out. Whereas in Nottingham, everybody pretty much, um, apart from a couple that might have travelled in, lived in Nottingham. So it's a, it was always a different feel for me down at the London clubs um, with regards to how the dressing room worked and how the dressing room felt. Would you get a few paints for anyone?
2: Irish boy, you must have liked a paint on a Sunday.
1: I did. I I I I did. I didn't mind the point. Uh, I didn't mind the point. Probably, I think probably people uh, people look looking back and the people used to say to me all the time that, that i well I, I, I didn't do. I didn't drink nowhere as nowhere as much as probably what people kind of thought I did. But listen, I I I'd be a social person. You know, I love I love going out for a meal now and having a little glass of red wine. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that's that's what would kind of get me. Get me a little buzz out of now, you know, and, and, and I think that's, I think that's where you kind of get to when you start to get a little bit older.
2: Uh, right, mate, I need to ask you about some of the players. Robbie Keane, Mendes, Defoe, Carrick, King, Canuti. ask you about Ledley King first, mate. Everyone says that like, he could have went to the top. Would you go along with
1: that? Absolutely. <laughs> First of all, absolute gentleman, like really, really good guy. Club captain when I went down there and, you know, everybody had the utmost respect for him. He used to probably train sometimes on a Thursday, but not very much. Most of the time just train on a Friday and then play on a Saturday. Wow. And he was always the and, he, and most weeks he was he was the best. I only ever seen one player get the better of him and that was Van Nistelrooy, we played against Man United at, at Weihart Lane and they beat us. He was 4-2 to beat us and Van Nistelrooy, was, he was phenomenal that day in particular. Um, and he gave Ledley a bit of the run around. But in all the games I've seen Ledley play, that's the only time I've ever seen anybody give him the run around in training or in the game. Um, absolutely fantastic. But definitely, Like if he, you know, you're he, he, relating to probably Paul McGrath. Um, you know, very, very kind of similar. But, you know, top, 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 top players.
2: Another one I love, mate,
1: is uh, Michael Carrick. One of my favourite players. How how good is he? Season that we went, the season that, that that I was just telling you about, there that we nearly got into the Champions League. But we went, we went and played Arsenal away on the, uh, and it was the last ever North London derby um, at Highbury, and went there and they had a they had a smashing team at the time, like you know you have Deron Rees and um, uh, uh, Perez and Lumborg and kind of players like that. They're a really really good team. And, Mojvicharic went, he was unbelievable that day. He just ran the game from start to finish, passing and left foot, right foot, interception, right area. Well, not just passing sideways or passing backwards, passing forward, oh. penetrating passes all the time give you the ball um, exactly when you need the ball. Uh, top, top player. No, you know, no surprise that he, when he got his move to Man United, I, I'm probably even less of a surprise at how much of a success he was when he was up there. Really, really. And I, again, and I don't think it's a coincidence, but you're talking about a, a really, really top bloke there as well. You know, a really, really yeah. good bloke that you could kind of have a good conversation with and get asked a little bit of advice. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I know you get you know, I've always found that a lot of the, the top top players they've got that humility about them as well that, that I always kind of want to listen. You get the odd the odd egg, and then Edko going to happen. Edko, uh, yeah. Well, now, you know what, Edko was a character, but he he, he could be hard work. You know, he, he, in what he, way? In what hard-woke.
2: could
1: he be hard work? Well, well, uh, you know, listen, I, I I I had a little moan in me, in me myself throughout my career, but. But nowhere near as much as this chap, you know, <laughs> honestly, God, he could, he could moan, he could mount about anything, his studs weren't tight enough, the socks weren't long enough, to, <laughs> you know, but I, I, yeah, I, I actually had some interesting conversations with him, with him as well, though, at times, you know, listen, he played with top, top clubs all around, the, all around the world, you know. Yes, Well, but again
2: in that squad, who, is, anyone that's, is anyone that's funny at that level or does that not go on?
1: Character. I don't know if you've if you've come across Robbie Keane in in his uh in his a bit but Robbie's always been a character and he always was. And um, when we went away with Ireland, he was always the same. And 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 down at um and down at Tottenham, he 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 was the same as well. And he um I I remember the, the, the lads were winding me up. So so I signed right um and uh, and then the day after signing, they gave me a day off to get all my stuff back right and. So I'm I'm on my way back down to back down to London then the next day and I get a text message on the phone from, from a number that I didn't know and it was like I'm um, saying uh, Andy smart and y'all uh, delighted to have you on board uh, um, and it, like something like are you ready for this or something like that and I'm looking at it right and I'm and I'm thinking to myself I'm thinking to myself it's gotta be a wind up but at the same time I'm thinking to myself. If I don't reply to it, he's my new manager, and I haven't replied to, to this message, then I'm going to look like an absolute, what? you know what I mean? So so, so I was trying to, to, to message back, right? And, and, and try and make myself sound like I wasn't an absolute div, and like I wasn't going for it, but yet I was still reporting, and it was yeah. so hard. And, like, and as it turned out, it was all the lads, like they were all kind of sat, I think they had an away game of Bolton, I think it was, they were all sat in the uh, in the hotel on somebody's phone, like messaging me off, but like, and sure enough, Robbie was, uh, was there. Right. what did you like back I want to know exactly what you done back no I think it was something I I can't remember exactly but it would have been something along the lines of uh of really looking forward to the challenge or something. You know, I can't, I, I don't know. Whatever it was, whatever it was, it didn't come out looking good to be tried, <laughs> and I said The boy's done me But I thought to myself, this is the better option here because if it actually is here, <laughs> I thought not reply to it. He might bin me off earlier than he was going to bin me off anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Would Robbie keep beating up every new signing on the lads just to make them feel welcome?
1: Yeah. Would it been, but... But you know what, but I, I I would have I played with Robbie with Ireland kind of before I'd signed so I kind of you know, knew what he was like. And, and no, I actually I always really enjoyed playing with Robbie because um I always liked to obviously pass the ball forward as well. So when you get the ball out of your feet his movement was absolutely phenomenal and yeah. me and him kind of had a good rapport and and I knew that if he was kinda of coming towards me that he was gonna spin in behind and we'd get that little bit of eye contact or if he was running away I'd play it into his feet and uh, his movement was absolutely brilliant, and his finishing, goals, scoring—like, love scoring goals, like, just, just love scoring goals. Him and Jermaine Defoe, I mean, the two of them—they're just like, you, you know, you, you think you say you pass the ball up to them, and there's you no know, point in even making a run because you know that they're not going to pass it to you; they're going to shoot at some point, and and the majority of the time they scored to be fresh, so you couldn't really say anything.
2: Was well, obviously the up here now. What's he like as a guy? You
1: know, again, he's another one that you know, apart from probably a couple of foreigners at times throughout my career, there wasn't probably too many people that I didn't get on with. I, I yeah. think I pretty much got on, got on with most people. Um, and, and, and Jermaine, listen, Jermaine was all right. He was just, he was very, very single-minded, and you know, I mentioned their goals. He he just wanted the goals all the time. Um, training in games, he was just he's just all you know. He and love football. Talk just talk about football all the time. Talk about. Um, how can he get a goal? You know, how can I? How can you set me up for a goal? How can I get in a better position? And and, and that was main And some some goals Because mate, your debut
2: though, you played White heart Lane, you beat Pompey three one. You must have thought
1: this is a canter, now Yeah, I didn't score then, but I set. I actually set Robbie up for a goal that day. Um, and I, you know, listen, really really good start. I actually I, I played pretty much every game between then um, and the end of the season. So I, I'm actually kind of. Actually, done all right, and and it was really, it was really good. I love playing at White Hart Lane. I always loved playing there. What a um, with the old, the old White Hart Lane. And you just walk into it, and it's just, just. Like, I I always just remember the feeling of it. It was really, really compact, and the pitch was always beautiful, and the and, and the fans just wanted you to play nice football, and it, it just, it just felt like a proper, proper football stadium. You know, really, really great place to play. Amazing.
2: Right, mate, I need to ask you because we've had some hilarious stories about this guy. Uh, Mido. How
1: was
2: he, how he as as? Uh, he was he at Spurs?
1: He was, Mido was hilarious, I have to say. He was he, a proper character, real, real character, you know, he was the proper, proper funny fellow. I remember, I remember on the Christmas too, one time we, we ended up hiring this place, He it was in St. Alden's or something like that, and, uh, we're having a few drinks, and I just remember going to the toilet, and then I come back right, and 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 me those down. He must have had the biggest cigar I've ever seen in my life. Like it was, like it was about like that size. i so like, that? Like he be, and that was the point to me though. He had all the, you know, he he had all the cars, and uh, you know, and, and liked all that sort of it. Uh, he was a good player as well. He he was he was he was he was, he was a hell of a player. Um, I have to say. Um, but but he was he was a character not so not somebody that you know I, I work with young players now and it's not somebody that I would be advocating them to where uh, to, to to kind of look up to you know not not that kind of way you look at it and you think of me though you know what you do but but you know what you know a decent enough guy. Would he
2: what, would he just go through the motions in training? Huh? Yeah,
1: times he could, times he could, but. Ian, listen. I, I, he had a he had a really really ball patch at Tottenham at one point where he went on a great run of scoring goals and I, and I, you know seeing him in games where the um, the training as well where he was he, pretty unplayable because he was a big strong boy as well you know so he could play the ball into him and if he if he if he was in the mood for it you know he could turn a defender and okay. get shot off um, you know really really well.
2: He definitely was on the double brandies with Wes Morgan in the summer, wasn't he?
1: Has to be fair. But another one you mentioned him earlier, on and one player that I was I was always massively impressed when I probably only got to play with him for uh, for probably about six months was Freddie Canute. Um, yeah, you got well. to
2: You can you got him and moved to Seville? <laughs> <laughs> That's where
1: they heard about me, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, listen, Freddie Canute was was phenomenal. He, you play a ball into Freddie or somebody you play a ball in it might be the keeper and you go up like that and you think he was going to flick on and then somehow in mid there. he was able to kind of take two more steps in mid-air and bring the ball down on his chest and start playing It probably the best game that I had for Tottenham um, we played against uh, Villa at home and I scored a really good goal um, uh, in that game it was the only goal that I scored for Tottenham and I was absolutely buzzing with myself like uh, I, was at, I was kind of over the moon I was and um, fact that I was going to score a goal and kind of we beat them 5-1 and I, and I, looking back in the game Freddie was unbelievable I think he might have got two and he just ran Aston Villa all over the place he just could not handle him you know and he's one of them he was wiry and you play the ball into him he'd get hold of Bit, he'd win headers. He and he was another one that if he was in the mood, um, you know, almost unplayable. You know, you, you, you see it from his days at West Ham and, and Tottenham and and then over Seville as well. On his day, defenders just didn't, just couldn't deal with him. Yeah, what well, a player West Ham. He was really good as well. Uh,
2: could could uh, Martin you could he get angry because I always remember him and Wenger had a bit of needle with each other, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I spoke about early on, that last um, that last game at Highbury, uh, the last North London derby at Highbury, um, they, they, they had they, they, it was absolute carnage. Like there was a, in in Highbury, the, the the corridor was kind of quite close in, um, and, and I always remember coming in after the game, and Martin Yo was there, and they, they, early on in the touchline they kind of gone head to head, and then in the tunnel, and then gone back on the corridor, and there was a bit of argy-bargy, and he was a big bloke. Yeah. Martin Yaw was. Now, I know who my money's on. If it's him and him and Arsene Wenger having a scrap, I know who, I know who I'd be putting my few quid on, you know.
2: So, were they two fighting in the tunnel? Wenger and Yaw
1: were trying to get to each other? Yeah, trying to get to each, to each know, other. But it man. was, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it wasn't a fight as such. It was just like Martin Yaw was just throwing people out of the way, and I think Arsene Wenger was just kind of backing off. <laughs> <laughs> <he's>, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. See when you, see when you were on
2: the plane in that, Andy, and then obviously you said things didn't go well. Would you ever
1: have it out with Martin Newell? Have you done that type? I guess I had a couple of conversations with him. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, a couple of conversations with him. And said to him, "Listen, I want to play. I want the opportunity to kind of sh- like to show you what I can do." And and would say to me, you know, I, it, it was a little bit of a kind of a gripe that I had it was that he kind of always kind of seemed to yeah 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 listen you will get your opportunity you will get your opportunity and that kind of was going on for a while and. Uh, and and then after a while I just thought you can go and bang on the manager's door and he's obviously you know doesn't want to give you an opportunity or you're not for him which which listen is is totally fine because that's what happens in football football is you know I know you hear people say all the time football is about opinions and certain managers like certain players certain managers don't yeah. fancy you know and, and there's nothing wrong with that for me and I'd like to think that I take it into being a coach and being a manager I just try and be as straight as I can and I'm just kind of say, listen, you're not really for me, but, you know, you might be for, for, for somebody else because that's how football, how football works, you know, you've got the managers that bring their players around with them all out because they rate them and you hear another manager be like, well, I wouldn't sign him because he's not for me. It just depends on, on what suits you and there's nothing wrong with that.
2: You're right, mate. All players want to honestly, isn't it? Uh, right, we're going to Ireland, mate. Uh, was it always a dream for you? A play for your country?
1: it I was fortunate that I kind of played for Ireland all the way up I played for Ireland from under-15s all the way up and um, been a senior international um, and I, I, our manager that, that, that gave me my debut for Ireland was Brian Kerr um, and Brian had been my manager kind of pretty much all the way up uh, the underage level and we'd won the under-16 European Championships um, up in Scotland um, actually that was 90 Devin.
2: Who's in that man? team?
1: So no, so Liam Miller, um, Jim Goodwin, uh, John O'Shea, uh, Joe Murphy, John Thompson, Graham Barrett. I don't know if you yeah, remember, yeah, if you remember Graham Barrett, yeah. Out, yeah. Yeah, we 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 a really good team to be fair. Uh we went on we went on some run to be fair. We beat uh so we beat uh, drew with Scotland in the fourth game, beat Finland in the second game, beat Spain in the third group game, beat them one nil. Spain were tipped to to go and win the whole thing. We beat them, um, and then we beat Denmark, I think, in the quarterfinals. Uh, Portugal in the semi-final, and then beat Italy two one in the final. So um, massive, like, and the game was on Eurosport as well. You know, it doesn't get much talk. better than that. A game on a game on Eurosport, but, so that was the start of the journey for a lot of us um at international level that you know went on to to kind of um, to kind of play senior level but brian Kerr was the manager um and uh, and he kind of called me in um to the senior squad and you know and, and started me in the fourth squad and um, that he called me in and uh, we played against canada and um i didn't think again i didn't think that I was going to start but he started me and um and I always remember lining up for the National Anthem at the old Lansdowne Road before being redeveloped and um, really, um, seeing all my family there, the National Anthem playing. Really, really proud moment. And, you know, again, you know, you know, something that you look back on and you think to yourself, nobody can ever take that away from me. Mm, amazing.
2: Uh, anyone that we speak to him here that play, has played with Ireland always seems like they love meeting up. Why, why do you think that was? Because you've got a good, right, good booze.
1: No, no, no. We had we 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 had a great group of players, um, and lot and loads of very different characters. But we were always mel- made welcome right from the very start. I mean, you go in and, and I talk about the type of blokes that were in there. People like Stephen Carr, absolute diamond of a bloke. Richie Don, um, don't know if you've come across Richie, but uh, brilliant. Uh, then you got people like uh, Kenny Cunningham, Gary Breen, Steve Finn, Ian Hart, and then and then. People that you know were playing in midfield that would have been like Mark Kinsler would have been great, Lee Carsley probably in particular, and Graham Cavanagh, yeah. two lads in midfield that would have helped me so much. And then you got Robbie and Duffer, and um, you kind of look around and you, you know, in most squads you go into a team or you go into a squad, and most you kind of look around and you say, well, he's a bit of a whatever, or he's yeah. a bit of a whatever. You kind of look down and there wasn't there wasn't any. Everybody was was decent lads, and we used to. We used to love meeting up. We used to have a great laugh. Uh, we, used to, we used to have a point when we could, don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, but then when it came to football, we were very, very focused and got, got a lot of good results as well um, in and around that period. We were very, very unfortunate not to uh, qualify for the World Cup.
2: Uh, Damien Dove said all that. He, he said his favourite one was when they got, because the pub stopped seven at three, they would get on a train to Cork just to drink and then get a train back to Dublin. Is that right?
1: Are you are involved in... Yeah, well, listen, there's, there, 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 there's a few, few kind of stories about that But, but uh, it, listen, it was, we, we, we socialised at the right time and we had a few drinks, don't get me wrong. There were some, some really good stories, but there was a serious element. I, I always do remember that. I won't tell you, I don't tell you who it was, but I always remember my first trip and I'm, I'm kind of laying in the bed, in the bed, like just getting to about half ten the Sunday night and you're supposed to be in bed. Somebody knocks on the door. Few lads going out, you coming out, and I'm thinking it's me forced trip. For no chance. Like I'm, 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 just not doing it. Like I like I want, to, I don't want to ruin it. Like because it, it would have been if everybody gets caught, I'd be the one that kind of you yeah. know gets pinned off or whatever. Uh Look out the window, and, and we used to stay in Portmanit Golf uh, Golf Course, and you look out somebody sprinting across the ATT, like kind of trying to get away and stuff. Uh, but but you know the thing is, though, then get in, trying and. And training would be 100%, yeah. it'd be nailed on 100%, and then the games everybody was really focused on. I think it's important to you know, to stress, and I know what we said earlier on football's not like that anymore. Football's changed, it just doesn't happen anymore, and you, you wouldn't advocate for it to happen. I, I, you know, if, if that was happening in a team that I coach, it's just, it's just not acceptable. Damien, um, that was yeah.
2: what you said as well. The reason they could do it is because they could handle it and they could still train at 100% in the next day.
1: Yeah, they well, listen. Yeah, it always kind of, everybody always gave a hundred percent. It was demanded from uh, the managers, but it was also demanded from each other as well. You know, you 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 know you you real senior pros there that if 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 you weren't at it, you know. And I, I mentioned all them people, um, but but for instance, if I wasn't at it in training for one reason or another, Lee, Lee Carsley, a kind of company, say really, <laughs> you know, Robbie would say really what's going on here you know and, and, and everybody kind of held each other to account and, and it was yeah. you know again a really really in, in, enjoyable period Great stuff uh, Ray right, mate you played in Roy Keane's return to the national
2: team after the Saipan fallout what was that night like? How was Roy the first time you met
1: him? Yeah listen Roy was Roy was good as gold when he came back in. I know he wasn't he wasn't the Roy that, uh, as a player, that that kind of, you know, in his pomp. But when he came back in, he was he was really really good to me, and always I had plenty of good conversations with him. I don't like, I think because he had played for Forest, and I was at Forest at the time as well. You know, he, he kind of you know spoke to me a little bit, and, I, and he was always really good. And, and and he ended up signing me then for, for Sunderland then as a you know, as a, as a manager, uh, which you know, which, which was which was obviously great and he, he was really good to me. But I always remember I think and I know people probably have different opinions about this about when he came back in, but when I, when he came back in, I always felt that he had a real aura and a real presence about him, um, where you kind of um you wanted to train a little bit better because Roy was there. Um, you know, and you wanted to kind of play a little bit better and if it was only one percent or two percent, if you get one player kind of having an effect on one or two percent on one percent or two percent of every player in the pitch, that's your performance of a whole team going up by between ten and twenty yeah. percent. And I never experienced that with another player and I can only imagine what it was like playing when, when he was in his pump, you know, when he was kind of oh he's very, very demanding and, and, and rightly so, but where I always felt that he, he you know, he had that real effect where people kind of really upped their game to play with him. Do you remember him roasting you as a player? Do you remember the first time thinking, wow? I'm, I'm sure there was. I think he was a bit more mellow by the, time he, yeah. by the time he kind of came back. He wasn't, you know, I don't think he was. A bit. I always, oh, he would zing a ball in it. You know, if you were doing little boxes at the start of the game, he kind of zing a ball in it. He'd give you a little look as if to say, you know, you need to be able to deal with that, you know, if you didn't kind of thing. and you know, or, or he kind of give it, just give, he, he he's actually really funny, he's a really, really funny guy, he's got a great sense of humor, um, so you kind of, you could kind of, um, you could kind of have, have, have a laugh with him as well, you know. I
2: was a young boy but a Celtic like when he came to end his career, in the boxes, but he would never go in the middle, eh? yeah. Like you say, it was always somebody else's fault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you know what, he, he, he was a great passer in football, I know people go on about the other side of, of his game and Winning the ball back, but he was actually a really, really good footballer. I remember talking to talking to Des Des Walker about him because Des played with him when Roy was at Forest when he came over and Des was at Forest kind of first time around, and he said really could do everything. He could head the ball, he could tackle, he could pass the ball. At that time, he could get into the box and score goals. He said he, he had a bit of everything, um, he was proper complete midfielder. And you know he, he, he was he was top one.
2: Like you said, the mate, it was always forward as well, wasn't it? Uh, right, mate. Just on Ireland. What was the closest you came to getting in a squad for a major tournament? We ever like the last one to miss out. Well, I
1: mean, i i i didn't. I was the 2002, wasn't it? In what um, was 2002 in Japan, was it? Yeah. yeah. I, hadn't, I was playing for the 21s at the time, um, so I was never kind of really anywhere around it. Um, I didn't get into it until Brian Kerr took over and, and, and I think it was 2004 I think it might have maybe debut so I wasn't that close um, and then we played in that qualifying campaign and, and, and so it's the closest I've ever come to kind of playing in a major tournament because we, we were 1-0 up against Israel away in Israel and they equalised four minutes into injury time um, and at home we were 2-0 up against them at half time and we ended up drawing 2-2 with them um, and if I know ifs and buts, and if you know, it's easy to kind of say that now and hindsight. But if we had have won one of those games, um, we'd have qualified. Most of they have kind of came to to, to playing in the tournament. Mm.
2: And in two thousand twelve Euro Squad, Trapatoni, you were playing regularly for Forest, but did you not get on that well with Trapatoni Now, nah?
1: me and I mean, you probably you probably heard the story, but but me and him, me and him had fallen out and. Uh, you know, again, it probably goes back to you know, didn't fancy me as a player. He wasn't really um, a, a, a coach that liked kind of technical teams. He was he was pretty defensive and pretty kind of um, rigid with how he wanted to play, and I didn't fit into that. And me and him had a had a fall now, and um, and and I didn't play under him. Um, so you know, uh, people say to me, "Oh, do you regret what happened?" And, and, and you know, I regret not getting to kind of play in a major tournament, but you know. Uh, I, I, I don't look back on my life with, with regrets like that that's not that's not what I'm all about I, I'm a very very forward thinker um, I like to uh, I like to do that with my coaching now you know be expansive and try and learn and try and little get a little bit better and because I think if you look back on things with regrets and could have done this and should have done this then it kind of eat away at you you know so
2: would you be one that if you didn't agree with what the manager was saying you would speak up
1: yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah yeah no no not not, not to the point where you know the managers, the managers, the manager, um, you know, and he's got his opinions, and sometimes you agree with some things that the manager's saying, some things you don't. Um, but, but if, if you know, if I feel that that something's, you know, really, really not right, then you know, I feel as part of the team to kind of say to, to, to say my piece in reason, um, as as I would encourage my players to do now, you know, I'd say, well, if you've got something to, if you want to come and talk to me, my door's always open to speak to any of my players, all the time, mm-hmm. my door's always open, if you want to have a conversation about football and tell me what you think, no problem at all, I'll come, and we might not agree on, on things, but, you know, that's, that, that's football.
2: Right, Major just talking to Charlton, Matt 20, and Debbie you had Les Reed and uh, Alan Pardew, was it all the change of marriage, was it,
1: why he's probably got relegated in the end? Well, no, I wouldn't say just a change of managers. Um, there was a big turnover in, in 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 players in 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 culture at the club. Alan Corbishley had been there for uh, for I don't know, fifteen years, yeah. something like that. Maybe maybe even more. I can't remember. He'd been there a hell of a long time. I think he was. He was uh, he was one of the longest-serving managers in, in in the country at the time, and and he he left, and uh, Ian Dewey came in, and, and I really liked Ian Dewey come in, and I really felt he was kind of along the right road, but we were just kind of a little bit short on on a couple of performances, and there was a couple of players there that didn't probably didn't think were really kind of buying into what we were doing, and became started to make things hard. work. Ian Dewey ended up getting sacked, and Les Reed came in. And, uh, and Les didn't. It, it, Les, Les was never a manager. I'd probably admit that now. He wasn't a manager, and um, things kind of really kind of dived pretty quickly. Um, and then and then Alan Pardew came in then, probably in the January or something like that. And Pardew was great, and he was just what we needed. And you know, I think if um if if Pardew probably had a, came in sooner, maybe before Christmas or whatever, I think we would have ended up staying up. Um, because I thought he was a really, really good football manager. And I know people will probably say, oh, Pardes loves himself and all this. But um, yeah, as, a, as a manager, you have to have a degree of arrogance about you. But he was very, very knowledgeable about football and, and how teams set up. And I had a great, great respect for him. And I, had, I, I got on really, really well. I felt that he understood me. Um, and he, he made me captain for, for the second season in the championship. And... Um, and we were doing really, really well. It's about, I think we were toured in the, toured in the league the following, so we were just had been relegated. We were toured in the league and I felt we were kind of going somewhere. And then I get a phone call then, and um, to say that they've agreed a fee with Sunderland. And it wasn't even really on my radar. And, um, because I was really happy playing at Charlton because Charlton is a fantastic club, a club that I, I felt really comfortable with. I was really happy playing for pads Um, thought we had a real good chance of getting promoted. And, uh, Phone call, they've agreed a fee. So I rang, I rang Piers and said, you know, what's this all about? He says, really, the club needs the money. He says they've been relegated, and um, th- they need the money. And I was like, well, we can get them out of here, you know. And he's like, it really out of my hands. Just you know, there's nothing I can do. And um, he said, go up and speak to Sunderland. Um, and if it's right for you, then you go. And if it's not right for you, then 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 come back and and. And I I'm, you know, as much as I kinda of would've liked him to stay and give it a go, I think if a club accepts a fee, um, then it's probably uh, it's probably time to move on one way or another.
2: Sorry to ask again, but I'm obsessed with Roy Keane. Like see the first meeting when you're gonna sign for Roy Keane, what, what does he say? So I can't even imagine him like praising you or saying what day are you on board?
1: Oh no, you know what? He, he um so so what so what happened up? so I went up there to um I went up to speed to them and was there all day and I was in a fortunate enough position that I wasn't desperate to get out of Charlton. Um, you know, I was going back to a team that were touring the championship that had a real good chance of getting promoted. A manager that I liked playing under. Um, I was settled enough down in London, kind of liked it. Um, so I went up and I kind of played hardball a little bit with, with, with kind of what I was looking for and what I was asking because I wasn't desperate to kind of go up there. And, and I was starting to get difficult to kind of get the deal done. Um and uh, Roy came in and he said, the deal done and uh, chief executive at the time, I think he's, can't remember his name now. He says, uh, he says, no, he says, we're still a little bit way off, you know, we want this and whatever. So Roy just came in and called me into his office, sat down, asked me, was, I had a little injury at the, at the time, a uh, little medial ligament injury, but I was due to kind of start back training. He says, where are you at with the injury? He says, where do you see yourself playing? And um, What do you think you can kind of bring to the team and whatever, I told him what I taught, he told me what he taught. We walked back into the room where the chief executive was sitting there, he says, listen get the deal, We've got to give him what you want. So, uh, so the chief executive is just coming out <laughs> and I said uh, and the agent's looking across at me and he's like ah, <laughs> you know, and Roy has kind of walked out and we, we you know we, we, we got it
2: done. Brilliant. Uh, did it help us <laughs> give uh, it help? Was like <laughs> place? You had Stokes, Liam Miller, Murphy, McShane, Hart, Kavanagh, Conley already there. That help as well
1: it did to be fair it did I mean when I went in um, we was I think we were we were toward bottom I think when, when I went in and we signed myself and signed Phil Bardsley um, and Johnny Evans um, as well and I think the trio was made made a real kind of impact in the team and kind of really galvanised the team because there were some decent players there um, as well it, it, Kenwin Jones was there Dean Whitehead was the captain in the middle of the park was, was a decent player um. Uh, well, Danny Collins was there as well, um, who was, you know, really, really steady. Craig Gordon was 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 in goal, who was, you know, who who was who was a good keeper, a very good keeper. And um, so we had the basis of a of a decent enough uh, of a decent enough team, and I think the three additions that that we made, that, that Roy made, uh, kind of really galvanised, and we ended up staying up comfortably with probably about three or four games to go. So. Um, you know I think the well, was, I say it was a gamble but the, the the calculated risk I suppose of bringing in them players kind of paid off for them See in the early days did you think that Roy Keane would go on to be a top manager from what you seen? Yeah I, I, you know I always thought he could go on I always thought he had he had that edge um, and, and you know I still think he could I still think he could he could do a job he could do a job somewhere I think he's He's a, he's a, he is a tinker about the game and he can, um, and I think he's probably learned from a lot of stuff that he's kind of seen. So um, it, uh, probably, you know, part of the pull towards him is his personality. But that's probably, that probably scares some, uh, some chairman and some chief executives off a little bit that they might not feel that they'd be able to, to kind of handle that. But Roy is very, very calculated, very, very clever guy, you know, very, very, very clever guy.
2: Uh, people we've had on played in that team as well said that Anthony Stokes was never on time is that how you remember him as well? Yeah
1: Stokes he was Stokes he was never late Stokes he would leave his house uh, like he, he lived down in Wynyard and, and he'd leave his house and, and you know you, I remember we were on the coach one day and he said um, he, he was, he was uh, we were on about how how he'd made it late and then he told us what time he'd left and, and we walked out by the mileage of how far it was, that he would have happened to be doing 147 mile an hour all the way from his house to the train to going to make it there on time, the time he'd get him to left, the left. But that was the amount of time that he gave himself. And you're like, come on, bud. Like, you're going to have to do 147 mile an hour all the way in. So, uh, yeah, he looked like Stokey did. Character, proper character.
2: Yeah. Hey, he's funny, is he? We're, we're going to get him on here, but he cancelled it at the last minute. Just kind of guy, here, isn't it? <laughs> Where is he now? He's not playing. He's not at a club just now. Some boy. Would he have been the one that Roy would get most annoyed with because of the lateness thing? hey
1: hated that. And, and, and even Lee Miller as well, rest <laughs> him uh, Mill Miller Mil, Mil was always late. Um, he, he he was he, he was always late. And I always remember Miller and Daryl Murphy were on the golf course at Wynyard and the phone rings. Um, and and Daryl told us this and the phone rings and um, it's it's the gaffer like and, and Liam said to Morphe, she says, Morph he says Morph's gaffer's ringing me so Morph says well you better answer it. so he answered the phone and around like the first tee or something like that um, answers it hiya uh, gaffer he says hiya Liam just ring to let you know that I'm sick of you being late and you're on the transfer list <laughs> uh, he's like Oh hung up the phone and Morph says, uh, says what did he say and then he went on the transfer list <laughs> it's like the boys are about to tee off uh, but he was you know him and it, they both lived in Winyard and yeah, every Wednesday I never, never on time, and, and Roy hated that. Yeah, hated it. Absolutely hated. It. Why would you be? Why would you be late for Roy Keane, w- Why? You would never, would you? Why? Right. Why would you be late anyway? I know That's exactly. What hey. Yeah, there's not war. There's not honestly. got honestly, there's there, there, there's there's not more. There's not more to lateness because it's oh, no. Don't get me wrong. Anything happened There can be an accident. There can be something. Yeah. But you know, just give yourself enough time.
2: We do the Irish boys socialise together every day up at Sunderland. because they are so far away.
1: I'd say we did, you know. I, we, I, listen, they, they were always really good company, you know. We go, but but there was there, there was some there was some plenty of good lads up there, you know. I was growing really well with Bardo, uh, Phil Bardley, when he was up there. So we'd kind of go, we you know we 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 go for a meal, and, and what what we used to do, uh, even Anton Ferdinand when he came up was uh, was great. We used to go to this um, there's a Tappanyaki place in um, in Newcastle called Hannah Hannah. I'm not too sure if you've ever been there but it was great and, and, and we, we used to try and do it like kind of once or twice a month um, where we'd all go around and, and you know they cook all the food in front of you and the boys would get up and flick the egg into the hat and, and all that stuff and and, and it, was, it was really good I have to say it was really good but listen football clubs are always really really good when things are going well and you're winning games of football it's you know and rightly so. it's all about games of football if, if you're winning games of football then then it, uh, everything around the football club just becomes easy. Yeah, everybody's getting on. But then when you start losing a few games of football, then you start to see people's real characters um, kind of start to come out. Then and, and and it can become really really difficult. Mate, two other big players that you've played as well.
2: There's been a lot. Uh, Dwight York and Andy Cole. Have were they to talk players? But they kind of as their legs have gone by then.
1: Yorkie um, at Sunderland. I never played with Andy Cole, um, but I played with um, I played with Yorkie at Sunderland, and, and, and Yorkie was brilliant. He was actually playing in midfield when I went there. But he didn't really didn't really play, but he was great to have around the place. You know, um, he was really really good to have around the place. Uh, great lads, real kind of lads. Lads, you could kind of bounce things off him. And and listen, having his experience around there was was absolutely fantastic. You know, it was it, it, it was great, and I remember. I, I always remember, I didn't, the lads told me this, so it's a little bit of a second-hand story because it was just before I came, but um, obviously he played with Roy, hadn't he? Um, yeah. um, Dwight had played with Roy, and I think he, he called him mate or something like that in the corridor one day, Like and, and I think Roy absolutely lost a big meet. mate. Mate, mate, oh, I'm not your mate. Like, uh, so I remember the lads telling me about it, I think, so... Amazing player, it's the last thing you call him. Like, the last thing you call him, <laughs> no, that's amazing. Uh,
2: me ask you as well, mate? Uh, Jordan Henderson, young kid, then how, how was he back then? Could you see him going on to be Be honest?
1: Totally honest, I couldn't go on to see him. A little bit like Wes Morgan, I'm talking about these, these two young players that I played with, they've both gone on to lift them um, to lift the uh, the, champ, the the Premier League trophy, and, uh, and like. That's massive thing to do. Absolutely massive thing to do. I couldn't have seen him doing that. I always thought that he was going to play at a, a, a really, really elite level. I thought after the first... I remember he went along to Coventry um, and done really, really well. But he was playing right wing at the time, um, and uh, when, even when he came back to Sunderland, But he, he brought such an energy to the team that. Uh, he quite, sometimes you know people were struggling some of the older lads even he dragged them along with, him with his energy you know and um to see how he's improved uh, technically physically how he's improved year on year how he's got strong he could always run um uh, um he's the way he's pulled up how strong he is uh, and technically how he's improved everything and how he's how how he's turned into the leader that he is um for me fully deserved Player of the player of the, of the mm. season last season. Um, he's a he he's the one that drives that Liverpool team, and I know they've got loads of superstars and all the things but he's the glue that kind of holds that all together there, and really really drives them. That drives their standards not just in games, but every single day in training. And, and uh, if you're the one who's driving that team and the captain of that team, that brings its own responsibilities. And uh, he has done that phenomenally well, lifted the Champions League trophy and lifted it. Uh, Premier League trope he's a credit to himself and he's a credit to all his family and he's a credit to Sunderland as well because he's a local Sunderland boy and, and, like, and they're all very very proud of him up there and rightly so
2: Like you said mate you stayed up your first season but then problems lay like ahead. Roy Keane the, the next season uh, when could you tell things weren't going to end well?
1: We signed uh, Pascal Chimbonda and Gabriel Tissend and, uh, and Elhaz Juve yeah, I remember. Listen, I remember when they came in and I remember thinking me. said and and Roy said, "You." Roy said to me, "He says You're too nice." He says, "So I'm bringing in some people who aren't so nice." That was what he wanted to do. And I imagine, I don't know if anybody's even asked him, before, but I would imagine he probably regrets bringing them in because, and um, it turned out to be a real imbalance in the squad, you know. And it started to kind of get a little bit of handles, arguments, and fights, and training, and all the time. Roy ended up leaving. Alleged Jew fighting where everybody pulled out a knife to uh, Anton Ferdinand and no way uh, yeah yeah I mean listen, that's uh, all that happened like you know um Pete, uh, listen listen that's that's not me telling you what and it's not kind of out there
2: that's yeah. you
1: know that was that was that was public knowledge it was really and and we stayed up we stayed up that season after Ricky Spazia and Dwight York took over it and, and we stayed up by default really. Not because well, I mean we we probably didn't win it. We maybe won one game in the last ten games or something like that. We stayed up because Newcastle were worse and poor El Duffer scored an OG in the final game of the season <laughs> against like against Villa. Um they um they, they, they kept us up. We lost their last game at home to Chelsea, two one. Um and we just had to Match, um, or match or match better Newcastle's result and we stayed up and we stayed up and they got relegated but it totally by default really not because, because we were really struggling we were all over the place there was people pulling in all different directions and um, and uh, we, we were lucky enough to stay up and then Steve Bruce came in then to start the next season and kind of really pulled it together and started pulling it in the right direction
2: Just to ask about on uh, Roy Keane I always ask everyone that played under on this. I need to ask you like, can you remember a specific time that he's just absolutely cracked?
1: Um, we we played against Northampton in the Carling Cup and we were one 0 down at half time. Said <laughs> to the kit man Cookie he should straighten up the uh the, the tactics board there, you know so we thought he was about to you know, do some bits on the thing. He went and like mm-hmm. booted the traffic spot just boot men flying everywhere. You just see all the lads like sinking back into the seats. You know, <laughs> he gave the right kind the of, right kind of scene that he did. Um, but um, he was. You know, I, I I I probably I probably didn't get it at the time because I probably didn't get the whole. Um, like I mean, I started to probably become a lot more serious, um, and, you know, maybe the year after, and then for the rest of my career, I was very, very intense. Then for the rest of my career, but early on in my career, wasn't as as intense as probably I should have been. But um, I always remember going in. I was captain on the first day of the season, uh, the second season. Um, I think Dean Edwards was injured, maybe, and 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 the manager and the captain go into the referees room before the game. Um, and Steven Gerrard was captain of, of Liverpool. And I always remember going into the referees' room, like, and there was a little bit of something there. Like, you know, obviously they played against each other, the Man United, you know, and the things, But I think it was, I think it was Sammy Lee, I think, had come in for, for them. Like, you know, Darren, I remember it was just, like, awkward. Like, you think, oh, <laughs> like that, you know. And I, you know, and, and but but kind of get it you know, afterwards when I probably started to mature a little bit more, I kind of got that. And I would have started to be like that. Like I used to, you know, in the early on in my career, if I'd have seen somebody who I knew, I'd have been like, oh, how are you, mate? You all right? But then, you know, probably from around 26, when um, I started to get really funny about things, like and I hated kind of, you know, I wouldn't talk to anybody if I knew them before the game, which I'll see after. And, um, and, you know, and, um and I hated when I need teammates, you know, when I see them on the pitch before and they're hugging their mates that we're just about to play against. Like I started to really, really hate that. So I kind of got I got it at the time I didn't get it, yeah. uh, if that makes sense. But afterwards, I kind of got it. And I think that's probably one of the directions that I kind of start going in um, down towards them. started so to become really intense about how I felt it should happen.
2: Oh, mate, you fucking hate me then. That's what I did. Just want to be everyone's mate. Um,
1: <laughs> but that's what it's what you're good at this, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's why you can get loads of people to
2: come on and talk to you. <laughs> exactly, uh, Jake. Because of Roy,
1: was it Roy that, Roy that kind of rubbed off on you, then, Andy? I would have got that. Pro- I, I would have said directly from Roy, and, and and the intensity kind of came into my football, kind of you know from them on, and and, and really kind of. Yeah, and I kind of had that till, till the end, especially when, you know, when I come back at Forest, you know, young lads, I would have been, you know, trying to help them, but kind of really, you know, wanting to kind of help push their standards as well, to try and make them better as well, and try and drive the standards around the, around the, the training ground. And, um, and, and, and probably from where I was early on in my career, that might have been a little bit of a surprise to some people that maybe played with me early on in my career that I kind of started to go like that towards of my career. But, you know, I really believe in it now. I think the environment is really, really important. It's something that I kind of drive um, in, in the environment that I'm working in now. I think it's important that all the players, staff, everybody brings a real positivity into the environment and, and try and make it the best environment that we can. Don't get me wrong. I love having a laugh. I love having a bit of bit of crack with the lads. But when we're walking, mm. uh, we're we're walking. You know, it's very very serious stuff because football is serious. You know, you can have fun while they're doing it, but I think. it's very, very serious because there's, there's great rewards to be had, there's great um, glory to be had, um, you know, and I know there's good financial rewards for the top footballers but getting a promotion on your CV or winning a cup or something like that, I mean, stuff uh, Yeah, uh, just nearly done, mate,
2: Steve Bruce followed. uh
1: you got get on well with him? Initially got on all right with him and uh, played on him and he actually done a really, really good job at Sunderland. And, um, Quite an old school manager. Um, he brought Eric Black in and Eric Black would've done the majority of the coaching. But Steve was always there. Um, and always had a big input into the shape and into, you know, into, didn't, didn't let Eric kinda of take the shape and stuff. See would take the shape and everybody knew exactly what to do and really, really a really, really good manager, um, um, I would say. Um, very, very structured. Everybody knew their roles um, and knew how to set teams up to play against the opposition. Um, decent man manager as well, I would have said. Um, and I got on all right when we at the start and then I picked, up a, I picked up an injury and then probably didn't play for about six months. And then by the time I got back the team were, were playing really, really well. And uh, I, 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 I kind of struggled for a little bit of fitness for a while. And... Um, Yeah, I never really kind of got back into his plans. I got back into his, uh, got back into his, uh, into his team. Mm.
2: And then, mate, two loan spells: Sheffield United and Blackpool. Is that when you kind of know your time's up at the club?
1: It it was around that time that well, so I didn't go on loan. So I'll tell you what happened. So I I got back from the injury. I've done, uh, sorry, I've had a a, an operation on my calf. I'd have an, yeah, I've had an operation on my calf and um, yeah, and uh, when I got back, the team were flying. They were doing really, really well. And I wanted to play, um, so we kind of um, uh, Gary Speed got in touch with um, with my agent and asked if I would want to go there and play some games, you know. So for me, it kind of was perfect. i would go there for a couple of months and uh, play some games. So uh, I went there, and Gary Speed left kind of halfway through the loan spell and went went to Wales. Um, so by the end of the long spell, I came back. I'd got a few games under my belt still. Uh, and I, I was in the last year of my contract um, and um, Sunderland hadn't, uh, weren't going to offer me um, a new contract and uh, Blackpool had just been promoted. So, um, uh, and, and they were doing quite well. And, and they, I think uh, Ian Holloway is the manager and they thought that Charlie Adam was going to sign for Liverpool. Um, he was supposed to sign for Liverpool and I signed on deadline day and they'd done a deal with Sunderland where um, I could come to them and it was on a permanent because my contract was up so they just took over my contract until the end of the season kind of thing. But Charlie Adam ended up not going. He ended up not going to, to Liverpool uh, in the end. Uh, so I ended up kind of going there and, and, and here uh, David Vaughan and, and Charlie Adam um, had, had done brilliant for Ian Holloway and um, got them promoted and were kind of doing really, really well and he kind of wanted to, to stick with them so it didn't really get Get much game time there, you know. So probably played started two games or something like that, and maybe came on in three or four others. And um, he wanted to stick with what, what 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 he was doing, which is you know his progress. And, and and they ended up kind of getting promoted. Uh, sorry, getting relegated that season. And uh, was their only season in, which was which was a shame because they put in a lot of hard work, you know. And I would have liked him to play a bit more of a part in it, but unfortunately it wasn't. B and then obviously the, the the contract ran out at the end of the season, and and um, and then I was back to Forest then. Uh, came back to Forest, uh, returned back there. Steve McLaren was the manager and, uh, and he signed me. And, and funnily enough, when I went back to Forest um, in probably the second season back and the third season uh, back, I probably played some of the best football in my career. I was in mm. great shape and um, really, really loved my football. Played under another um, Scottish lad, uh, Scottish guy, um, Billy Davis, who um, Billy was brilliant. What a coach. People, I mean, players love Billy Davis, don't
2: they?
1: Honestly, like Billy Davis is a phenomenal coach. You know, the work that he used to do on the train. I, I mean, with me, me and Chris Cohen, I'm you know, working with Forrest and we talked about some of the stuff that Billy done and how can we implement some of the stuff and you know what are the good things that he done that we can take away because there was so much good work that he done with teams to set up a team. Um, uh, and his management at times was, was absolutely fantastic. You know, you really knew. What you are going up against and how you were going to um, how were you going to win the game uh, and he and he set that up really really well.
2: Just before we come back to Forest, I just have you got an off the wall story about Ian Holloway? We've had a lot of people tell them on here about things that you thought, what are we doing here, man?
1: Because he's a proper character, you know. He's a real character. He was great with his stories. He was always brilliant with stories, you know. He and he could be telling you about the most random things <laughs> ever, you know, like he. he you know he'd be telling you about i'm um, i mean i remember he's telling us a story he used to have these chickens or something like that and he's telling us this, this story where he says yeah chick like you come in and we're about to do the team talk you think he's going to name the team here and he's like and he's saying chickens are stupid and i'm like Stephen craney like and, like and obviously cranes has played for him for, for for a few years you know so i'm looking at cranes i'm like and he's like, he's like Really, waiting to hear these stories, bud. So I listen to the story. She chickens are stupid. And I'm like, what's the shit out there? And he says, well, there was a big storm the other night. Uh, in my backyard, the chicken coop blew down. Um, So I built a new chicken coop. I built it a little bit closer to where the wall was so the, so the wind wouldn't blow it down. The chickens, they went back to where the old chicken coop was. The fox came along and ate them. And then he just go and named the team. And I'm like, oh, hang on what's going on here you know yeah yeah of course it was yeah <laughs> but but the lads loved him and and he got the best out of them as well and he's a great character and unique characters in the game very very knowledgeable and um, got loads of promotions under his belt and um, done great with loads of different football clubs and uh a fantastic manager, and he has been, and he's doing a great project now at the moment up in Grimsby, where he's gotten involved as one of the owners and he's managing as well. Yeah. And and I, know I have no doubt that over the next few years that Grimsby will be, um, the Grimsby will, will kind of really, really improve because he's he's a great character. The game of football needs characters like himself yeah. and like Joe Kinnear and people like that. he
2: uh, just on Steve McClan. Uh what went wrong with him for him at Forest? Well,
1: I think. St- <laughs> I think Steve was promised loads of sign-ins and kind of lots of money and, and ended up getting stuck with me <laughs> so uh, so um, probably didn't walk out but he, 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 me, and, uh, me, me and Jonathan Greening used to have a laugh because he signed both of us and Jono played with him at Middlesbrough and you know Jono was a great lad and um, and we, we always kind of joke he he, he he wanted to sign big money players or 8 or 9 million quid or whatever like that and he ended up getting stuck with us Um and yeah, and, and then I think he probably seen then that the, the, the club had probably gone in a different direction to what he felt the club was going. They weren't prepared to spend the amount of money. So he ended up leaving after kind of two months or three months or something like that.
2: You said you were flying, mate. Right? Like, I see the turnaround in managers in your remaining years. How frustrating is that lack of stability?
1: Oh, I mean, we had loads of managers. So when Steve McLaren left, Steve Cottrell came in and... And um, uh, for, for for a couple of months, and we had change of owner as well, and then Sean O'Driscoll um, came in, and, and, and I thought Sean was really really good, uh, and then Billy came back in, and uh, you know things I thought were going really really well, and then Billy ended up falling out with the owner, and then Stu Pierce came in. Uh, gone really really well with Stuart we were flying at the start of the season then we picked up a couple of injuries I got injured Chris Cohn got injured Jack, Jack Hobbs got injured and we would have been three players that would have really kind of driven a lot you know and then when he yes. kind of when we were all kind of taken out we had a lot of young players and they started to struggle a little bit they didn't have that kind of stability that we were able to offer them Um, so he ended up going and then I never played after that then because uh, my grinds were knackered I ended up having uh, five operations on them but then Dougie Friedman came in and um, then for a while and uh, Paul Will- when Dougie left Paul Williams who was coaching there took over and the owner of the club asked, if, uh, if I was, I was sorry, asked me would I go in and help Paul um, so I ended up getting really really good experience I didn't really do that much Paul ended up doing most of it to be fair I ended up not doing very much um, but it was a great experience to kind of see uh an insight into into kind of into the coaching and into what works. and for me i'd always wanted to go into coaching i'd finished my b license at the time was walking on my a so it was a great insight for me into where uh, into what it was going to look like moving forward and what it does look like from a coaching perspective within a football club
2: so you just don't us, mate. like for us for those of us looking from the outside in how big a club is it
1: Massive club, um, I, and listen for me. I, I know I'm going to be biased because I love the club because uh, the club has been so good to me. um two spells came up through the U team, and, and I'm very, very proud of the history that uh, that it's got. You know, and, and I know at the moment it is. History, and um, uh, but you know, two European Cups is is uh, is a phenomenal achievement. Um, you know, for for a club although it's a it's a massive club. Where, you know, if you're talking about talking about Man United or um or, or someone like that or Liverpool, it's it, it's probably not. So to have them achievements is phenomenal. And it's a club that I'm very, very proud of and, and to be part of the city and my missus is from you know, I'm very, you know, I the people of Nottingham have always been very, very good to me. So the place holds a very, very special place in my heart, you know. Um and uh and, and the achievements uh, and, and and what they've done and uh, where they finished in the league and the, the the league that they won and the FA Cups that they won and the League Cups and and obviously them them European Cups it's, it's, it's a massive club. Mm.
2: Just coming to the end of you mate, but, uh, when did you feel the time was right? Why did you chuck it?
1: Since uh, well, I mean, I I had so I had four operations on my grinds and I kept doing rehab and coming back and I get to about seventy percent and break down again and this happened like four times and. And I knew that I was in a bit of trouble. You know, I knew that I was really struggling to get back to where I needed to be. Um, and uh, somebody came up with a suggestion I'd go to a place over in, um, over in uh, Philadelphia, um, it, it, a really, really great surgeon over there in Philadelphia. So I went over and um, I'm, I'm sat in there and he's talking about my groin. So and he says, yeah, no, I can do this. I can try and help you. And, and then, he, uh, and then he, he starts messing about with my hips. And then he says, uh, he, he, he says listen, I'm going to do... Um, I'm going to do your um, your hips as well. And I went, oh, there was no physio with me. For some reason, there was no physio. For, I was under the impression I was just getting my groin done. So he says, am going to do your hips. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. But he's like, no, it's all right. And then looked outside the office and, and this fella came out on like a Zimmer frame. He said, he's just had his groin and his hips <laughs> on a Zimmer frame. And said, like, listen, pal, just do me grinds and we'll see how we get on with that for us, will you? So, so we do me grinds and there. Uh, and i uh, I've done the rehab for my groin um, to the letter and tried to get me to you know, get to 70%, 75%, try and whip a ball. Um, and I just kind of feel them go again. And I thought to myself, if I can't whip the ball then, there's no point in me playing football. And, and, um, and I, I, I just couldn't get back to the level that I needed to get to. So unfortunately, uh, that was the end for me.
2: And now the coaching, mate. and he to ask you, all the managers that we've spoken about, what one do you take the most from
1: I, I kind of I, I think about this quite a bit and people kind of do ask you I think when I look at my roles at the moment working with younger players I take a lot from how he coached younger players and uh, and I try and implement some of them things and try and come up with my own ideas and be innovative I also take a lot from the coaching of Billy Davis as well who um, was it was fantastic and and Alan Pardew um, as well how Pards was what a man manager he was and um and how we try to implement things or take a lot from them as well. So probably them three would be the would be the ones that I kind of really take the most from a coaching perspective from.
2: And you're just in the youth just now, mate, but is it aspirations one day to be a gaffer?
1: And that that that's the aim. And um, that's the aim. I've just finished my pro licence and it's been a great learning journey for me. I've I've learned so much and stuff I've done the pro licence with us and we were in a great group with Keith Andrews and uh, Robbie was in the group as well. Vinnie Perth over in Ireland. Paddy McCarthy, and um, some great, great guys. And we, we you know, so we learnt loads. And um, so I, I'm on that real, uh, you know, feeling a really kind of good place for learning at the moment, and really getting better. And I've got a real drive and focus. Um, of trying to be really innovative in the ideas that I'm coming up with. How can I implement them? How can I make teams better? what does it look like in possession what does it look like out of possession how can we just get a little bit better how can we create a good environment I've got all these things in my head at the moment that I'm really kind of trying to implement, implement um, in the environments that I'm in so I'm loving it at the moment I have to say I've got a real real drive for it it's, it's, um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing it's almost like a, a second kind of thing not never beats playing but, but, um, but I'm really getting a buzz off the coaching And I'm sure you'll be successful mate. thanks very much so it's absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed talking to you. It's, uh, it's really been an absolute pleasure.
0: The early bird gets a big deal with great value home cover from SuperValue Insurance. Get a great quote and search SuperValue Insurance now. This home insurance is underwritten by AXA Insurance DAC. SuperValue Financial Services DAC, trading as SuperValue Insurance, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Vodafone is now Ireland's largest fibre broadband provider. We've got fibre broadband here in Dublin, here in Clifton. And now, here. We could soon be powering this podcast you're about to listen to. So you can wonder on your computer, from the comfort of your own sofa. Curiosity is everywhere on Vodafone, Ireland's largest fibre broadband provider. From 30 euro per month, search Vodafone Gigabit Broadband. Terms apply. Subject to availability and selected areas. Average speeds based on Comrade Market Share data Q1 2020. New customers only. Subject to 12-month contract. Offer ends 22nd of November 2020. See Vodafone.ie forward slash fixed terms for full terms. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.